Chapter Twelve of The Quiet Flame by Eva K. Betts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. The Garden. Although Mother Mary Ann was not concerned in the politics of the islands, she could not help but be affected by them. The king had been a forward-looking man who worked well with his legislature. He was interested in the welfare of his people and willing, within reason, to listen to what they had to say. His sister was quite different. She wanted a return to the absolute monarchy of Hawaiian rulers of old. She would appoint a man to a task, then change her mind about him, and with no warning he would high-handedly be replaced. There was no stability, no continuity in any government post. These changes of personnel often made things hard for Mother. An overseer of the island would be appointed, stay just long enough to be bothersome, and then, when there was a change of ideas in Honolulu, the overseer would be changed too. But work at the bishop home had to go on no matter what else changed. By 1891, the year Queen Lilia Kalani took the throne, the grounds around the home were splendid in their trees, colorful gardens, and luxuriant bushes. Many of the girls and women who had been apathetic about the project when it was started now were in it heart and soul. Sometimes smaller or more handicapped girls were ruled out by larger, abler ones. She steps on more plants than she grows, mother, one older girl said angrily as the little one wept a protest. But she doesn't mean to, mother argued. She was always on the side of the helpless. Can you explain that to the flower, mother? The girl seemed serious, not saucy, as she asked. Mother's eyes lighted with laughter, and her engaging smile pulled at the corners of her mouth. No, I'm afraid I can't. She paused for a moment. Oh, I have a fine idea. The small girl shut off her sobs to listen. When Sister is busy in the kitchen, if she looks out the window, she doesn't see a single flower. Imagine, no flowers at all. For a moment she was afraid that her talents as a dramatic actress might have been too great for it looked as if the very little girl was going to dissolve into tears again at the thought of sister with no garden to look at. So mother hurried along. Wouldn't it be nice to make a garden there? she asked. Could I do it? Yes, you and your friends can have that for your special garden, mother assured the child. I have some seeds a friend sent me. I don't know what the flowers are like. You and your friends can make a nice surprise for us all. The older girl, satisfied now that her work would not be interfered with, smiled and offered assistance. Some of us big ones will dig it up for you if you need help, she said. No, this is our garden. Mother said so. The little one now had much of the protective attitude that had upset her in the other. We'll do it all ourselves. Belatedly, she remembered some of what she had been taught. Thank you, she called as she ran off to collect her friends. The gardens were at their loveliest one day, when one of the superintendents approached Mother Mary Ann. With no preamble, he stated the reason for his visit. In April, he said, there will be an inspection of superintendent's houses, a prize is to be given for the most beautifully kept grounds. I want that prize. Mother waited with some curiosity for him to continue. When he did not, she suggested, You would like a few of my plants? Why, yes he said, as if the question hardly needed asking. I'll send men for them. The visitors will wonder how I ever got such a fine garden so fast. Smiling happily, he turned and left. 
i wonder if he realized that most of the loveliest trees and shrubs and flowers were sent to me by my friends sister leopoldina was angry that kind of man wouldn't care she sputtered the effrontery of him coming for our plantings so he can win a prize well i told him he might take some we do have a great many sister i'm sure we can spare a few the two nuns went off to the tasks waiting them they were both busy and completely unaware of what was going on in their yard then suddenly sister came flying into mother's office mother there are several wagons going down the road and they are taking the whole yard with them the whole yard what do you mean sister well most of it just look mother went to the veranda the place looked as if a new and more vigorous devil storm had been through it flowers the finest shrubs most of the small trees and even a few of the larger ones all had been taken up and carted away it was desolate again hours of work expense to your friends loving care from the girls sister leopoldina couldn't frame sentences that would express her feelings i'm sorry for the girls sakes mother agreed but we can make it lovely again things grow fast you know here in the tropics sister might have protested further but mother raised a gentle silencing hand we must find excuses for ignorance she said it was after supper when the telephone rang sister leopoldina answered it was a superintendent sister he said in his pompous dictatorial manner will you tell mother please that she didn't send any alligator pear trees and you want some with the mighty effort of the will sister kept her voice courteous some sister some i want them all a slow flush crept up sister's cheeks her eyes glittered you'll get none she said and slammed down the telephone having done it she shuddered the day had been full of exasperations she just couldn't take a reprimand from mother on top of everything else yet she knew that her self-discipline had slipped badly and that she had been uncivil slowly she turned to mother ready for her scolding mother's hands half covered her face and she was shaking for a moment sister's heart stopped had she upset mother so badly then the merry eyes were uncovered and she saw mother's face the shaking was from laughter sister she chuckled how did you dare to speak so the insolence of the man overcame me sister was half laughing half angry it's not bad enough that he has destroyed the lovely garden but now he impudently demanded all the alligator pear trees all mother mother shook her head sadly it is strange how thoughtless some people are was all she said once again sister marvelled threats on her life raids on her property mother took everything in her stride the flame of love was constant in her heart and nothing would make it waver much less put it out the uneasy situation in Honolulu would have discouraged a lesser soul. There, Queen Lilia Kalani became more and more difficult to deal with. She would make promises and break them, would make deals with private persons in the name of the government. She largely ignored the legislatures. At last it was plain that heavy American investments in the islands were in danger. After some negotiations, in 1894, the islands were declared a republic, and Sanford Dole was elected the first president. While this was going on, Mother Mary Ann received first more, then less help, assistance going up and down with the rise and fall of political groups. 
people interested in politics in Honolulu could not be expected to expend much thought on the lepers of Molokai. To give them credit, the government intended to be kind. But so little was known of the disease, so little understood about its control and treatment. Sometimes, too, the weather played an unpleasant part in mother's problems. There was, for instance, the time when storms prevented the supply ship from putting in at Kalopapa. The staple food in the Hawaiian's diet is poi, made from the pounded root of the taro plant. Without poi, no matter how much else is offered, they do not feel they have had a meal. Molokai did not raise enough taro for its needs, so the ship from Honolulu brought it in, but the ship could not put in to unload. The first night there was enough to feed all the people, but when a second day a storm followed, the people became hungry. We have no food, they complained to mother. But the sisters have prepared a good meal for you, she protested. There was a moment of silence. We have no poi. We have no food. Mother had the feeling that when they got hungry enough, they would eat the good meals offered them. But she did not know her people. If they had poi, they had a meal. No poi, no meal. The storm continued for a third day, and Mother began to worry. A prolonged fast would be dangerous for her patients. Yet there seemed no way to break it. Fortunately, before things grew really serious, the wind died down. Now we can eat. Those who lived in little houses of their own hurried to draw rations of poi. The girls in the hospital could hardly wait until supper time. Mother watched them with amused exasperation. Tradition certainly died hard in these people whom she loved so much. She must work out some way of providing against a repetition of this near disaster. Thinking of food brought her mind, on an obvious train of thought, to the kitchen. She must ask for a new stove. The ancient, cross-grained one they had would try anyone's patience. It was so non-cooperative. If the cook needed quick heat, it smoldered and smoked. If something required long, slow cooking, the impetuous stove raced ahead and charred everything and trusted to it. It was too small, anyway, for the amount of work required of it. Easter was coming, always a day of great celebration, but especially among the lepers. Probably it was because they lived so close to the grave that the story of the resurrection was especially dear to them. Whatever the reason, they were planning a great feast on that day. Mother decided to see if she could have a stove in time to permit the sisters to make their contribution to the gala affair. End of chapter 12